Good evening, everyone. What I'd like to do here is provide you with some information on issues related to cannabis and health and cannabis policy options. I'm not trying to sell you anything, really, uh, but really just share some information with you on that very timely topic and also allow people to gather information because all of you are going uh, to a referendum that will make some very important policy decisions uh, on where cannabis policy will be going in New Zealand. And I think there's a great need and, and uh, demand for information out there on how to make the decisions about that. And so I will share things from the science side with you here this evening. I'll give you a little bit of background on me, and I should make a couple of disclosures. First of all, you can hear, of course, that I'm not a Kiwi. I'm an import from Canada. I've been here for less than a year, so I'm still learning things. I worked in Canadian academia for almost 25 years. I'm interested in substance use, how to intervene and regulate and develop policy related to substance use that will further and improve public health. And that's what I've been doing in Canada for a long time. In that particular role, I also worked with the Canadian government over the last few years in bringing uh, the cannabis legalization project underway. I've helped them quite a bit with the science behind the framework that has been developed primarily on the federal side. So that's my disclosure. So I can't pretend to you that I'm completely neutral about legalization um, because I advocated for it in a public health framework but I'll nevertheless try and give you the broadest possible information from the science side on how to think about the legalization project, which, by the way, in my very strong and clear opinion, remains a big social experiment. We don't know where all this will lead and what the outcomes will be, but hopefully it will take things uh, to a good place, and I'll explain a little bit more to you uh, what I mean by that and why I think that. So we're in New Zealand. I come from Canada. We have among the highest cannabis use rates in the world in both New Zealand and Canada, somewhere between 10 and 15 percent of the adult population. But what's most relevant, the majority of young people between 15 and 29 have cannabis use exposure at some point in their lives. Cannabis and health is really about the health of young people or something that happens in that sort of period of young age when uh, most of our young people have uh, exposure to cannabis use. Cannabis and health, it's a big issue. It's debated a lot. Uh, cannabis is not an innocuous drug. It has a number of acute and long-term risks uh, for adverse health outcomes. Some of the main ones are on the acute side. Um, there's uh, impairment of cognition. Some people experience pretty severe impairment from cannabis use. Uh, there's psychomotor and memory control uh, impairment uh, possible. That's on the acute side. On the long-term side, uh, the main issues are um, that people can develop dependence. I know this is a subject of debate to a lot of people, but cannabis dependence definitely does exist and develop. Uh, in, in some users, there's the issue of cannabis-related impairment and uh, motor vehicle accidents. 
your risk for getting involved in an accident is uh, elevated by factor two approximately. That is less than from alcohol, but it is pretty substantial elevation of risk nonetheless. Then for people who smoke cannabis, who smoke burned cannabis, there's the risk for acute bronchial and pulmonary problems. You can get chronic bronchitis. There's even some data that there may be an association with lung cancer, although the data is not very clear on that because it's difficult to disentangle it from the risks related to tobacco. And then there's some emerging data on uh, potential impacts on reproduction. Uh, f uh, fetal birth weight uh, tends to be lower in, um, in babies that were born by mothers who actively used cannabis during pregnancy. And there's some emerging evidence on cardiovascular risks uh, related to, to cannabis use, especially from strong formulations. The debate on health uh, outcomes from cannabis is typically focused on psychosis and mental health. And while that is an important uh, part of the health discussion, uh, it's actually, in a public health perspective, a relatively minor and limited issue in that, first of all, we need to recognize that uh, all, albeit there's a, uh, a correlation between cannabis use and mental health outcomes and specifically psychosis. Uh, we cannot assume that all these cases are actually caused by cannabis. As a matter of fact, a lot of people where that association exists actually are self-medicating for undiagnosed mental health issues um, or we also know that the majority of people where the association exists, actually there's a predisposition or a family history of mental health issues and specifically psychosis. So uh, please do not assume that all the cases uh, of uh, mental health problems that are linked with uh, cannabis use are really actually caused by cannabis is a very complex relationship the two main issues of relevance in terms of adverse health outcomes from cannabis use are, first of all, dependence. Uh, older data suggests that about one in 10 users develop dependence from cannabis use. Uh, more recent data suggests that that could be up to 20, 25% of users for a number of reasons that I'll explain a little bit in a second. Plus, cannabis-impaired driving is a very serious issue. It leads to quite a few accidents. It leads to injuries, but it's also the one uh, outcome where cannabis is involved in direct mortality. There's otherwise uh, not a lot of ways of how you can die from cannabis use directly, but when you are impaired and you get behind the wheel of a car and you get involved in an accident, there are fatalities. So these two things, uh, dependence and uh, cannabis-impaired accidents, are really the two main public health-relevant adverse outcomes from cannabis use that, from a public health perspective, we need to be concerned about. The vast majority of serious out adverse outcomes, especially on the chronic side, is limited mainly to people who use cannabis intensively and frequently over a long period of time, plus people who use primarily high-potency products and smoke them. In essence, the debate 
about cannabis legalization is the same as it is uh, to propose legalization for, let's say, sex work or abortion. The question is whether to pretend that we can somehow make these phenomena go away, if this is what people desire, or whether we accept that in reality they are present and it's better to bring them into the open, legal, above-board realm and intervene pragmatically to not uh, completely abolish uh, or eliminate all uh, risks and phenomena associated with them, but basically to do good public health and harm reduction. That's basically the rationale for public health-based um, legalization of cannabis. Um, some of you may ask, why not decriminalization? That's a debate that happens uh, quite a bit. A lot of people suggest, well, legalization is maybe a little bit much or goes a little bit far. Why don't we just decriminalize? And that's sort of a middle ground that a lot of people can agree upon. I was a strong advocate of decriminalization for a long time, but I moved away from that, and I'll give you a couple of main reasons. One of them is that decriminalization still sends a very sort of mixed message because it's sort of neither black nor white. It's somewhere in the middle, but in, typically in decriminalization models, um, cannabis use is still against some form of law. So it is still something that is illegal. It makes it difficult to send a clear message, especially to young people. What should you really do? Is it allowed? No teacher can really provide education on something that is still illegal. And the other issue is, of course, you cannot really regulate the element of supply. If the supply is not legally, openly available and can be regulated, a large part of the public health benefits of policy reform really uh, fall away. So legalization for public health is a project that is in the interest of public health, but the devil is really in the detail in how to regulate key aspects of legalization of cannabis and how to do that on, on a number of key fronts. And I'll give you a few examples of that. One of the first key aspects is who should be allowed to use cannabis under a legalization uh, uh, regime. Uh, the New Zealand government has proposed an age limit of 20 years. I have absolutely no clue where that number comes from. It's definitely not rooted in any kind of um, convincing or clear-cut science. Now, one of the main discourses behind that number is the concern about the evolving, uh, developing brain of young people. But I can tell you uh, a couple of key things. So first of all, that discourse, in my opinion, is overhyped and overrated. If you actually go into the science and you look at the evidence of what we really know about the impacts of cannabis use on the young and developing brains, you will see a number of sort of fancy brain image reproductions. What these images really mean, especially for lasting and sustained harm to brain health is a completely open question. The other discourse that is typically neglected is that the evidence on potential brain health harm 
from the substance that most of you have in your glasses right now, specifically alcohol, um, is at least equally strong, if not stronger. So we're still sort of caught in very selective discourses around risks and harms for cannabis that multiply exist uh, for other substances that are legal, specifically alcohol and tobacco, but are sort of emphasized over again as a rationale to impose selective restrictions on cannabis use. Um, if the concern is uh, developing brain health, uh, first of all, you would probably need to impose an age limit of 30 or even higher. Um, 20 is sort of a bit of a strange compromise uh, that is probably more politically informed than scientifically informed. But it makes relatively little sense to have distinct age limits for cannabis that are higher than access to alcohol and tobacco. And um, in, in New Zealand, alcohol is very freely available and consumed by young people. So what we really need here in an integrated public health approach is a policy that sort of regulates all of these drugs in a more comprehensive and much more consistent fashion rather than just picking some sort of random political number out of a hat. Other issues that are relevant for regulating cannabis effectively in a, in a public health model under a legalization scheme. Where should people be allowed to use cannabis when it's legal? Again, the current proposal from the New Zealand government is that you will only be able to use cannabis in your private home. There's no provision for use in public spaces. Now, again, immediately we see quite significant inconsistencies here vis-a-vis -vis the regulation of other drugs. You can use tobacco still pretty much in all public spaces. You can use alcohol in most public environments, licensed, or in New Zealand it's even less restricted than it is in Canada where you can only use in, in licensed premises. So we're basically confining uh, cannabis to private homes only, which to me is a, a contradiction for public health. We've been trying to get smoking out of private homes and away from exposing uh, potential non-smokers or other people to tobacco smoke, confining uh, cannabis to private homes only, I think is mainly driven by like out of sight, out of mind considerations rather than good public health thinking outside of the fact that cannabis for many people is also a social drug. So it would make a lot of sense to regulate it in a way that is more consistent with tobacco use or alcohol use that at least you have the ability to use it in some sort of public setting. So I have concerns around limiting uh, cannabis use to, to private homes only. I think some of that is happening for the wrong reasons. Other key issues are uh, where should people be able to obtain uh, legal cannabis? There are two um, aspects proposed for New Zealand. One of them is in uh, designated um, specialty retail outlets, although the government has not said much about that, how many there would be and where they would be located. Um, and the other option that's been proposed is uh, that people would be allowed to home grow or home produce cannabis. Um, 
some important thinking that needs to go on around those issues. So first of all, I don't clearly understand why we would necessarily um, offer or provide retail cannabis in uh, places that are separate from uh, places that, for example, sell alcohol. I don't think that makes a lot of economic or other sense. There's typically um, quick input from a lot of people who are worried about co-use. We shouldn't offer those things together. I actually personally think we should offer them together in designated places, not to make it easier for, for people to use those substances together, but to create special designated outlets with people who understand the effects of these drugs and especially interaction effects and make the point of distribution actually a place of education and prevention where when you go and you obtain cannabis or alcohol uh, together that it's an, in an environment where there's an educated, informed, behind-the-counter interaction with someone who can warn you about potential side effects and informs you. It's basically a pharmacy model for non-medical substances um, where it would make a lot of sense to offer these substances in a, in a, very, in a more public health-oriented fashion. I personally have great concerns with the advocacy or the option for home production. I think in a public health model that makes little sense. Uh, that's sort of a bit of a misguided romanticism that is very common in the cannabis world that if you really sort of want really good cannabis and you're really into that, you'll grow it at home from a public health perspective that makes very little sense. You don't want to grow this particular substance in a home environment where there's children around or other non-users. It's very difficult to regulate uh, home production. So in a public health model, I think that makes relatively little sense and and should really be geared um, towards a model where we have clearly regulated production and distribution with the aim of informing people as much as possible about risks and adverse outcomes, especially vis-a-vis -vis, um, other substances. People who speak against legalization basically um, pretend or suggest that the alternative is a world or reality without cannabis. And that is just not the reality. The reality is that we currently have a cannabis economy. We have a cannabis supply. Uh, we have a very, very um, active and, and, and vastly diverse cannabis market. It happens to be an illegal market. It happens to provide illegal, unregulated products. That is the alternative. So the objective of legalization for public health, as well as the reality is to create an alternative legal regime, which, however, will only succeed if it really brings as many users as possible into the realm of legal products and legal use. And if, for example, you set the price too high of the legal cannabis products you're selling, or you create too little, too limited availability, or you only sell products that current consumers don't want, legalization will not succeed because people will just remain to go and consume the products and, and use the products they've used for the last two decades. That's basically the balancing act 
and that's not easy to do. Now, how have legalization experiments in other countries fared to date? A lot of people here in the debate, or as well as in Canada, actually forget that Uruguay was the first country to fully legalize cannabis use and supply. Um, to date, uh, the data, the outcome data that we have is that the impacts are quite mixed. You have a lot less enforcement. You have less people being criminalized. At the same time, if you look at especially U.S. data, you'll see that um, a number of adverse health outcomes have actually increased. So, for example, impaired driving, cannabis driving accidents, and hospitalizations for cannabis-related causes uh, in U.S. states have been increasing. Uruguay is a bit of a difficult case because the evaluation data there is not particularly good. But there's also some indication that use rates have been going up on the health outcomes. There is not uh, very good rigorous information, so I don't even want to comment on that. There's some interesting data from Canada to date. Canada now has been uh, in, a, in a state of legalization for less than a year. A couple of interesting things. One of them is recent use data shows that use cannabis use in Canada has been going up uh, to some degree, although not in the population that most people have been worried about. It's not been going up among young people. My explanation for that is actually that um, no one should have expected that because in environments like Canada, among young people, pretty much everyone who had some sort of remote interest in using cannabis was just doing that regardless of uh, the legal state, even under state of criminalization, because cannabis is so uh, prevalent and available. Um, but it's been going up among middle-aged people. Um, that's sort of an interesting finding, and I think there's a lot of people who used cannabis at some point previously in their lives, and then they became good and decent law-abiding citizens. And then the law changed, and now they're going back to things that they were sort of involved with before. But that's basically where use increases have been taking place, not among young people. The U.S. data also show that quite clearly, that uh, there's really no increases from liberalization uh, among young people, which is, I guess, a, sort of a good news story. The other thing that's interesting to me is that there's recent data from Canada that um, suggests that about 50% of current cannabis users uh, by now are obtaining um, their cannabis products from legal supply and legal retail outlets. And that number uh, needs to go up uh, quite a bit. If only half of people who are using cannabis uh, obtain their cannabis from legal sources. I don't think public health goals can really be met. If you still have half of users go to the black market consuming unregulated products, which tend to be more and more high-potency product, we need to get the majority of people into uh, legal distribution, legal um, product outlets, the consumption of legal and regulated products. The long-term uh, outcomes and results of legalization 
we will not know how that experiment will work out until a few years down the road, simply because there's way too many erratic um, short-term effects. People are experimenting and we need to collect good data over time to see whether this is really a public health success. The one thing that distinctly stands between uh, today and the now of prohibition and legalization in New Zealand is that little referendum in November 2020. Um, you typically around these sort of morality issues, whether it's sex work or medically assisted dying or, or sort of similarly morally um, shaped health issues, you typically sort of have a public opinion landscape that's sort of divided into three thirds. One third is you have the strong proponents of reform, people who believe that these things should be legal above board. That is a very clear fraction on the one side. You have the counter side on the other end, the conservatives who regardless of whatever you tell them, whatever data you put in front of them, they just believe that these things are wrong and they should not be legal and shouldn't be supported. You have a third in the middle of people who sort of sit on the fence. And this is exactly the part of the population that if this, the current government really wants to convince people that legalization for public health is the way to go forward, that's the population they need to tackle and they need to target and they need to give them good reasons why legalization with strict regulations and control for public health is actually potentially better for them than the status quo. And I'll leave my points at that. Thank you for your time. <laughs>